Hello, welcome back to my podcast. So here, I would like to talk about something that I came across that is very shocking to me. I mean, I have been, you know, I have passed through the dark night of the soul when I was coming out of the occult, and I know how it feels. But guys, this is not the same religion. And... Okay, so for me, it is about missionaries of charity. Um, A missionary that Mother Teresa of Calcutta received from Jesus. It was a call because the first time she felt she wanted to be a nun. And then there was another call where Jesus asked her to just leave the convent life and live amongst the poor, helping the poor. And that if she held on to Jesus, Jesus would be with her until the end. But one, when I started reading, um, when I started reading these letters that I had that were being circulated, um, a book that had been compiled in the form of a book by, uh, by Sister Teresa. I mean, Sister Teresa wanted these letters very, you know, secret. She didn't want people to know what was really going on within her. So I understand that Sister Teresa, this this dark night she was passing through, which was really, really even worse than you can imagine, began after she started the work of starting the missionaries of charity. So as I understand, this letters were preserved by the Vatican and they saw these letters as a beam of light, a hope to those maybe who were going through the same but I don't think this is the same as the dark night of the soul. This is far worse than any darkness I've ever even heard her talking about because I haven't lived that long in a darkness not unless you're in the part of the occult not unless you're an atheist, or not unless you just don't believe in God at all. This is how you would really feel the way she was talking. Okay, so let's get right to it. So she had been suffering a huge crisis for over six decades. Can you imagine that? It's impossible for that to happen for any one saint. She wrote in form of letters to a parishioner secretly. Revealing the true status of the condition of her soul. This is coming from a Catholic nun. One who was declared a saint by St. Paul, John Paul II, Francis, Benedict, everyone who came across her. And it's very shocking because this is someone who you expect to be devout, to having believed the Holy Mother, to, to be someone who is very have a strong faith in God and encouraging others to do the same. Now these letters, I'm sure that when I read her letters, you're going to wonder if really this saint was actually a true saint or a false saint because there are very many in the Catholic Church who have been declared saints and yet when you look deep into their story, it doesn't add up. Nothing lines up. And there are others who are not even who could have been more authentic and they were just discarded 
from the church. Okay, let's draw it. Mother Teresa says, I am told that God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness, coldness, and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. This is like one of the, um, in one of the letters where she was writing, that God, she, she, you know, people would say or say to her, God lives in her. But she didn't believe it. She, she, she only felt the reality of darkness. She felt empty, like God was not there at all. Can you imagine that? So, in the occult, I would feel the same. I would feel like God was not there inside of me because of the decision I had made being part of the occult. God was completely like far from you, you know, he's far from you because once you, you make a pact with the devil, obviously the devil, you know, God leaves and God allows you to pass through whatever you're going to pass through until you come back to him in full repentance. She continues, where I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there's such conflicting emptiness. That those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my soul. Love, the word, means nothing. You know, can you imagine that this man bore no love for humanity and for God all those years? She would actually say that she was faking smiles in front of crowds, in front of people, so that people could believe that she was actually you know, she had such a great calling in her life, which is deceiving the world in a hypocritical sense. Telling the world, oh yeah, but deep down inside, that's not how she felt. She had no love, she had nothing. And if you look at the these charities she created, you can see how empty they are. I, I was looking at them, I was like, they, 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 they are so poor. There's no, like, improvement of the poor who are there. It's worse treatment after worse treatment. And she encouraged a most diabolical suffering that you can't even imagine exists in this world. Okay, let's continue. And this appeals to Catholics and non-Catholics alike. I, I, I appeal to you that you are about to be more shocked, <laughs> even more. C coming from a devout Catholic, Catholic nun who was thought to be devout, more devout than her counterparts. It's really sad and telling. Mother Teresa continues, In my soul, I can't tell you how it is, how painful, how terrible. I feel like refusing God. You know, she was like, God, I just don't feel like I want this anymore. I just don't want to be among these people. I just don't have that love. I don't have that goodness in me. I am just terribly, I have nothing inside of me, I'm empty. My oh my, hmm, it gets even better. Don't forget she was declared a saint in 2016. So let us continue. She continues, where is my faith? Even deep down right in there, there is nothing but empty emptiness and darkness. How painful is this unknown pain? I have no faith. I dare not utter the words that crowd my thoughts and make me suffer untold agony. Can you imagine that? 
sink for clean fate. Then she continues, if I surely become a saint, I will be one of darkness. How can how can a saint say such things even from coming from their own minds? God is a God of love. He inspires fruits of the Holy Spirit to be able to, you know, you bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit like love, joy, peace, patience. There's no way God would bring such thoughts or, you know, write such letters to parishioners when actually God himself asked you to live among the poorest of the poor and help them elevate their, their that condition they have. Give them love. Show them love. So how can you show people love or those poor love if you have none? It, it, it doesn't make sense, right? Okay, let's continue. She says, to be in love and yet not to love. To be in faith and yet not to believe. To spend myself and yet to be in total darkness. Let's continue. People say they are drawn to God seeing my strong faith. Is this not deceiving people? And then afterwards, I read someone article saying, no, in her in her book which she's written, she says she was always confused. She keeps saying, I don't know what is really happening to me. Can you imagine a nun who has received one hundred and seventy-nine awards for her acclaimed status as a poor's champion? Something is really wrong with her faith, and I'm talking about her Roman Catholic faith, of course. She could even say that even in the Eucharist, she did not feel God. And and I'm like, because the Roman faith has always declared that God is found in the Holy Eucharist, why would a holy nun say that she did not feel God in the Eucharist? My And then she continues, My life seems so contradictory. It's, it's like she was living two lives. She was living one where in public she was she was looking like someone who was championing the poor's rights, helping the poor and everything. But on the other hand, in darkness and those kinds of situations, privately, she was suffering a deep crisis. And this, for me, this suffering that Sister Teresa was going through actually reflects the crisis that the Catholic Church is going through outside, outside, okay, outside, she shows that she's doing acts of charity, she's loving people, she, you know, they can see the Pope, the priests, the bishops are there saying hi to people, yeah, but it, privately these people are, are contradicting themselves because they're people who love money, there are people who live in luxury. There are people who have made so many compromises in their lives that they, they don't even know what's right, what's left, what's front, what's back. They have no idea. They are confused, just like Sister Teresa was talking about her confused status. They, they feel empty inside. In fact, they are deceiving people. They are in total darkness. And then... <sighs> The problem is 
she kept praying to Jesus that so that she doesn't be deceived and she doesn't deceive anyone. She wasn't sure which side she really was on. She was like, "Am I a Roman Catholic Church? One 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 side I'm I'm part of the faith. The second side, I want to feel Jesus. I long for God. What is that telling me that the church has not fulfilled the longing of this woman? Obviously, the church may be many things, but it cannot feel the gap, the <laughs> the emptiness." Of a soul, a spiritual soul who is longing for God. If you're longing for God, it means that you need Jesus in your life. The church doesn't give you Jesus. In fact, you become, you start going far away from Jesus. This is the great crisis that I can see the church. This is why I'm the comparison between Sister Teresa and the Roman Catholic Church are just one and the same, and that's why. I saw that I write this chapter in my book, Lady of Mercy, but, uh, chapter 35, and it was just, it just came to me. I didn't, I didn't even know that there were such letters existing of Sister Teresa. And then the worst part is that this Sister Teresa um, requested a uh, an exorcism to be done to her. During the day, she was very silent and quiet, but during the night, she looked very disturbed, even showing abnormal strength while at hospital, pulling off the wires as if agitated by something. So bizarre for a saint, don't you think? Sleep eluded her, and nothing seemed to calm her down. This is, this is by the way, how I was when I was part of the dark cult of Satan. You live a life of severe compromises, and this is the end result. You need, a, you need to be delivered from these kinds of diabolical um, manifestations. During the day, you are a saint in the occult, but during the night hours, you are the devil himself. Sounds familiar? Wow. Also, Sister Magdalene the Cross, you can check it out was also going through the same. So observations of Jesus and Sister Teresa. You see, when Jesus, what, what I came into, uh, I saw the conclusion of all this through the eyes of Jesus, is that when Jesus called Sister Teresa to help the poorest of the poor, he wanted from her a complete total devotion to him, not to the church that had long forgotten about him and his beloved mother. He wanted to establish within her to spread a new congregation outside of the Roman church. As the church is full of untold compromises and in need of dire repentance from her part, for she has fallen far from grace itself and from God. In the 15th century, a new decree was given to anyone experiencing mystical-related phenomena that they would, were to obey their superiors to avoid a repeat like likened to Sister Magdalena. The superiors are likened unto Jesus and must be obeyed. Failure to reach this mystic will be dismissed as a spurnster upon disobedience. This has always been Satan's strategy from the start, to discredit both the false and the true mystic together throughout the centuries following the 15th century. As Sister Teresa 
had always gone to Bibionan throughout her life. She stuck with the rules of the church. In fact, when Jesus gave her the command to leave the convent immediately, she hesitated for an year and a half before receiving the go-ahead to leave the convent and start uh, a new religious order. In the Vatican giving her permission to start a new congregation, they saw her, which was contrary to Jesus, they saw in her a huge potential to benefit from her new congregation to achieve their end. Numerous funds to support their nefarious projects that were far from Christ's mission and object in life. The goal of the Vatican was not so much to help the poorest poor, but to create in Sister Teresa the makings of a real saint and make her look like one, but in obedience to their will and way, not to Jesus' will and way. I think you should understand that. In her many dark years, she reveals how she really felt about faith, God, humanity, and poor souls. Satan comes in many forms, like performing extreme mortifications, calling them suffering, allowing the poor to continue to suffer without giving them a hope for better life and future and uplifting their meager conditions is fake heritage. It's like fake suffering. Offering scholarships to poor kids to improve their living conditions and that of their parents is more reasonable than what Sister Teresa was doing in terms of helping the poor. By receiving 179 Nobel Peace Prizes, traveling in luxurious jets, rubbing shoulders with the rich and mighty and dictators, I mean, endless compromises yet always feeling empty and unhappy. Sister Teresa was of the world and not of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, unfortunately. She was clearly disturbed upon receiving approval from the Vatican. Numerous scandals within her congregations had the markings of suspicions written all over it. The great fear that Jesus did not approve that her order be united by a compromised church. That wasn't good. You see, she had good intentions for serving the poor but not through the way Jesus really wanted for her and her future congregation. Jesus does not operate in chaos. He leads the way, not the other way around. Then Jesus, then considering that there was an apostate impulse to sell fear of Fatima, begged the question that you should all be asking yourself. Are you truly following Christ, or is the church leading you to where it wants her to, it wants you to go. You should think about this thing, because reading this, getting to know what was happening, and understanding from which stand this, okay, um, you know, Sister Teresa was going through, and understanding that, um, the Catholic Church can be, you know, is suffering the same way, is going through the same things as she was going through. It's suffering through a darkness, a darkness that you cannot even imagine exists. So you see, <laughs> Jesus has been telling me that the calling he gave to Sister Teresa was unfulfilled in the way he wanted it done. 
He requested Sister Teresa to start her own congregation outside of the Vatican Church, okay? And he himself would help the Mother of Charity to expand her borders beyond Calcutta. He, he, he told me that she was going to be referred to as Mother of Charity had she followed all of his instructions. Easing the pains of the suffering is not the same as allowing them to suffer for Christ. A nun who is completely surrendered to Jesus Christ is allowed to suffer for suffering, not the suffering for the sake of the world. Mother Teresa's dark night of the soul was the fact that she misunderstood simple concepts of what suffering really meant and to whom it is supposed to be for. Okay, how could someone who is so close to God himself suffer from such emptiness, having no faith and even a prayer? Prayerlessness, because I felt even before I saw these letters that Sister Teresa was not praying efficiently as Jesus was telling me that she wasn't praying at all. And that's why everything was going bad. There was scandals, there was everything that was not right in that uh, congregation she started. You see, you know, her life was full of activity, just like the Catholic Church today. She has no time to pray. She has no time to think about the sacraments. She has no time to contemplate on the sorrows of Lady or on the scriptures or on Jesus' passion. She had no time. Yeah, she had huge doubts about God's divine existence because she was raised in a cult. Cults usually change from time to time. She hardly felt the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist because he does, he's not in the Catholic Church anymore. Like, the, the church in the past and today in the modern world is not the same. The Latin mass has already been taken out of, you know, the Catholic, you know, um, tradition. So it's these kinds of uh, things that she was going through only shows how, you know, things were going and and you know um, it, it just gives you like a clue like this is what is going on in the church this is what is really happening today and you can't even imagine you know living without faith without God without love without anything like your soul being completely darkness for me, it just tells me that something was really, is really amiss in this church. Something is really amiss with Sister Teresa and the, some of the saints in that church. And the people in that church, there's something that is not right. Something that is completely wrong. Yeah, coming from a nun who was declared a saint, something isn't right. So, I'll be able to tell, talk to you again. But we'll continue with the mystical city of God from where we stopped the last time to understand more about the Blessed Mother, the mission, and Jesus. So, yeah, we'll continue with that. But this is something that I have to, like, put out there because it's serious and it's damaging to the lives of many people who actually believe that they're doing the right thing, that, that they're following this call because there are many, not just one, believing that those cults will lead them to heaven and I pray that they examine their beliefs 
time and time again to understand that this world is not as it is today. Look at the situation in Ukraine, which is actually increasing and intensifying. And, you know, it might also involve China. It might involve... Because <sighs> the person that I keep saying, the red dragon is far worse than Russia. And I wouldn't want to, like, God only knows what's coming for this world. Because, believe me, I don't see anything pretty. Because the person mother, I'll show you the picture of the person mother. And how, and the message she's given to the church concerning her farewell um, the next time. Because it's really, really touching. It's serious. And, and you can see the kind of fierceness she has in her eyes. Her, she, her eyes are fiery. She, she has some sadness in her eyes. But the look she has is that of a fiery storm. Like, I have come to you. You've abandoned me. Now, things that are going to happen are going to be out of proportion. And it's only God himself who can stop the tribulation from increasing because the tribulation is supposed to uh, go for a maximum of seven and a half years. Can you imagine that? But those people who come out of the tribulation are the ones who have triumphed with our lady and Jesus. So stay tuned for more. I have so much coming um, this way and I pray that also you can read the books that I'm uh, in Wattpad and to get familiar with more of uh, what's going on around the world. Thank you so much and stay tuned. Uh, I love you all and I pray that you stay safe. And also look after yourselves because things are just going to be increasing in the West. And even all over the world is going to be affected in one way or another. So stay tuned and uh, may God bless you all and our lady. And the Trinity too. Welcome back to my channel, Ruta Miriam Mystic. So I'd like us to continue with. Um, <clears throat> she had before, you know, when Jesus was asking her to, you know, Sister Teresa to become a vessel, you know, for, you know, to use in looking after the poorest of the poor. This is the near ecstatic communion she had with Jesus. Jesus kept saying to her, Wilt thou refuse to do this for me? You have become my spouse for my love. You have come to India for me. The dust you had for souls brought you so far. Are you afraid to take one more step for your spouse, for me, for souls? Is your generosity grown cold? Am I a second to you? She continues. Jesus continues. Oh no, Teresa's now talked to Jesus. Jesus, my own Jesus, I am only thine. I am so stupid. I do not know what to say, but to do with me whatever you wish. Mm. As you wish, as long as you wish. Why can't I be a perfect Loreto nun here? Why can't I be like everybody else? So she had doubts about going to the community of the poorest of the poor. And this is where you see the red flags. And Jesus says to her, I want Indian nuns, missionaries of charity, who would be my fire of love amongst the poor. 
the sick, the dying, and the little children. You are, you are, I know, the most incapable person. We can sinful, sinful, but just because you are that, I want to use you for my glory. Will that refuse? So this is the kind of dialogue that she was having with Jesus. And, you know, <laughs> you know, she, she herself had been, you know, working herself sick and her superiors ordered her to relax during her annual retreat in the Himalayan foothills. On the ride out, she reportedly spoke to Christ. Yeah, Christ spoke to her. And he called her to abandon teaching and work instead in the slums of the city, dealing directly with the poorest of the poor, the sick, the dying beggars, and the street children. Come, come, carry me into the holds of the poor. He told her, come be my light. Okay, so the goal was to be both mature and evangelistic, okay, to help their lives, you know, experience God's infinite love. So you can imagine that the nun, um, okay, and so <laughs> she wanted to ask permission, obviously. And um, she had visions, you know, with with Jesus before this um, leap she took of starting the work, which she did without, she had not fully, what I can say here, those who are experiencing the dark night of the soul is when they have not given their hearts to God fully, like 100%. Obviously, they are going to go through this separation from God for a long time, as long as they are in that state of denial in their spiritual lives, you know. And I'm not talking about physical. Physical, maybe people are seeing Mother Teresa as someone who is so close to God. They would want to have approached her and ask her to pray for, you know, for them. And instead, this, this uh, spiritual advisor who actually saw her as a holy person because that's how she was being portrayed by the media you know the deal with the devil kind of like and she always said that she was the smile was a mask to cover how she really felt and how her spiritual state was really in dire need of that you know it was devoid of god and and it's something that you, you have to, like, ask yourself. Like, this woman was so, you kind of imagine she was so close to God because that's what you saw her. But <laughs> listen to even this message that she, this is an, another, in another letter, this is how she expressed herself. Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me, the child of your love, and now become as the most hated one? The one you have thrown away as unwanted, unloved. I call, I claim. I want, and there is no one to answer. N no one on whom I can cling. No one, no one. Alone, where is my faith? Even deep down, right in there, is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain. You see, <laughs> things like, I am suffering untold agony. 
and being hit with sharp knives you know it was like okay at at another time she will like in in the first half of 1948 Teresa took a basic medical course before launching herself alone onto the streets of Calcutta Calcutta and she wrote my soul is my soul at present is in perfect peace and joy and this is before okay the description of her first day on the job the old man lying on the street not wanted all alone just sick and dying i gave him cabosone and water to drink and the old man was so strangely grateful then we went to taltala bazaar and there was a very poor woman dying i think of starvation starvation more than tb i gave her something which will help her to sleep i wonder how long she will last but two months later Shortly after her major triumph of locating a space for her headquarters, file, uh, she found files that troubled her. What tortures of loneliness. I wonder how long will my heart suffer this. So it's like, <laughs> the more success Teresa had, and half a year later so many young women had joined her society, and she needed to, go, to move again, the worse she felt. And she kept saying and telling, and she wrote to Periel, I think that's her, like her spiritual something. Please, please pray especially for me that I may not spoil his work, that our Lord may show himself, for there is such terrible darkness within me, as if everything was dead. It has been like this, more or less, from the time I started the work. So, for me, what I can say is this. It's something that, it's kind of, uh, you can't imagine a saint having these kinds of, going through this period, not unless you were an unbeliever and you experienced a separation from God. And then you became a believer and you found God and you, you started rejoicing. And Jesus says when you find him, there's no way he'll ever leave you. There's no way you're ever going to feel that loneliness. Me, the loneliness I would feel is when, for the rejection that people have they reject you they reject you know because even if god is using you at that time you're rejected by everyone around you there's that kind of a different kind of loneliness which saints experience real saints but it's not a loneliness where god does not exist that that i've never experienced that i've always known that god is there and jesus is there but on earth for a saint because they're walking alone it really can be lonely for them because this they've taken a different path from the world and so it's like they're pilgrims okay they're walking this path and they're going to the crystal city there are hardly people on the road where they meet okay but you know they know that jesus in their heart they, they feel close to god they feel jesus is there they can pray they can do many many things but you know in the real sense they're not surrounded by God the way they would have wanted to. So this kind of uh, when 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 you're actually wanting someone to like pray for you, when the real truth is that they are the ones who want to be prayed for, and you can imagine that the whole world believes that you know these women or these saints are like. They're closest to God than anyone. 
And so in any case, those who come to them, they would actually prefer that the saint who is recognized around the world to pray for them because their prayers will reach heaven faster than the prayers of all those people who are just like ordinary citizens, ordinary people. But who's ordinary? So it's a... <laughs> and you know what? The way she felt, she describes it as, she says, she continued, Sister Teresa, the more I want him, the less I am wanted. She wrote to Periol in 1955. It's like she felt she was longing for him, but it's like God did not want her. <laughs> and then she, she kept saying, continues, such deep longing for God repulsed, empty, no faith, no love, no zeal. You know, the saving of souls, souls holds no attraction. Heaven means nothing. Pray for me, please, that I keep smiling at him in spite of everything. So it's really hard if you just um, think for a moment. You have no God in your heart. Like, let's say like an unbeliever, for example. It's impossible to kind of give love to anyone who you meet. <laughs> Let's just think of this logically because that's how, you know, people who have not been drawn by the love of God, it's impossible for them to love others. It's even harder than you can expect. So even when you're like, help me to smile at God, even when I don't feel like he exists, it's kind of like, it's not logical. It's impossible to love someone who you don't even know. And then, you know, this guy, this uh, spiritual director who she, she you know, she wrote a letter to a spiritual director who still exists today. And she was like, you know, um, uh, the spiritual director was like, uh, I couldn't understand why she was like, you know, having this kind of crisis when she's the one closest to God than any of us. So she was saying that this director knows people who have been in ecstasies, like the way people see the Virgin Mary, they see Jesus. And they're in ecstasy and they're seeing God. And obviously God is there. Even when, when, when the ecstasy is over, they still continue to feel the presence of God in the Blessed Mother. So can you imagine that Sister Teresa was not experiencing these kinds of things, like ecstasies and all that stuff. But she was like, she was more like a saint who was created for the church. It's not like she had even any zeal of looking up to the poor because she was having struggling and and jesus was seeing the condition of her heart and i believe that you know when jesus was conversing with her her heart was not like 100 percent belonging to jesus christ and that's how i see it okay many people may have many other you know opinions and all that but true 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 to the word I have met many people who have been like 50-50. They're like, Do you, are you willing to give uh, your whole heart to Jesus? They've been 50-50. And so they've been left there because, you know, they just didn't want to fully belong to Christ's kingdom. So it's not, you cannot be forced to, you know, Jesus cannot force anyone to accept him wholeheartedly. Like for me, I experienced those ecstasies when I came out of the occult I continued having those visions and dreams. The gift that God had given me started coming back. Everything started coming back to me. 
and God was also removing me from situations, from churches, and, you know, from the situations I was finding myself in that were not of him. And he kept removing me and removing me. And I kept obeying him and I, I kept going the direction he was going. And so many times the, the, those who were afflicting me were like, Satan was like, yeah, afflicting me through other means, like through people and using rejection and abandonment to make me feel like unwanted. But, you know, for me, I felt closer to God because I was like, I don't have to go to church. Most times I wouldn't go there to the churches and all that because the attacks were coming from there. And so whenever I was at home, I was like, oh, I'm feel much better. I would feel more peaceful with God in my heart. I wouldn't be where I am being attacked. Like, like stepping out of the gate was dangerous for me. <laughs> it's kind of a contrast, you know. So it was dangerous for me to get outside the gate. And, and by these days, I am just like free. I'm going everywhere. I have a rosary which I've made. So I don't even feel scared in any way of anything. You know, I just face everything head on. The Blessed Mother has already given me things that I need to have for my protection. I have all the protection in the world that I need. I just, you know, as long as you have completely, and I'm saying for all those who are listening, given yourselves to God wholeheartedly, Nothing will ever go wrong for you. You may be rejected and abandoned by the world, but guess what? Jesus, the Blessed Mother, they will always be closest to you, ever. There are times you'll feel lonely because nobody, you have no one to share whatever you have with, you know. There's no one there to tell about the things that, you know, you want to share with them. Maybe the spiritual, what God has done for you, but it's okay. You know, this crisis that, it's not even a crisis, but it is a moment of, So let us not forget what, um, oh, I'll continue with the next part of this episode. So thank you and stay tuned.